We on? There we go. Very good. All right. Um, is it supposed to warm up anytime soon? Well, shucks. You know what I found? Um, when we moved to Oklahoma, of course, anyone that knows me knows I'm from the mountains. And in the mountains, we have kind of our own vocabulary. And uh, some of the vocabulary in the mountains uh, is like y'all. Y'all use that. Um, yonder, y'all use that. But do they use the word yuns down here? They do. They do. And you know what they do in Oklahoma? They use the word yuns out there too. What I found is a bunch of mountain folk moved out to the plains of uh, the United States of America and just settled down. They're just good old country folk and uh, it's been real neat to be out there and uh, what I found is most anywhere you go, you see people of God. And when you see people of God, it's just a good thing. Um, I'm glad to be back. And we've enjoyed the fellowship with so many of you. And uh, it's uh, it's just been a joy uh, to be back. And uh, Todd, thank you for allowing us to come. And it's my uh, uh, joy as well as Angela and Britton. It's our joy to be here. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 12 tonight. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to focus on verses 1, 2, and 3. Hebrews chapter 12, looking at verses 1, 2, and 3. So if you would, please stand with me in honor and in reverence of the reading of God's holy word. Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, now when you see the therefore... There's a reason it's there for, okay? So we're referring to uh, the previous chapter in chapter 11 where the author of Hebrews is talking about uh, the ancients, the people who lived and were commended for their faith. So Hebrews chapter 12 is referring back to that. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. God, tonight, I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray now, at this moment, that I would decrease and that your spirit in me would increase. And Lord, I pray at this very moment that you'd give me boldness and passion that comes from you. And I pray that you would allow me to preach with clarity and distinction. And may we hear and understand your word. And God, we're asking tonight that your word would make sense to us so much so that it would challenge us and change us. And we walk out of here different. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Lord, I know it's cold outside and many of us could be doing many things tonight. But we've chosen to be in your house. I pray that you'd bless everyone for being here. Thank you once again for your word. Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Tonight I want to talk about focus. The author of Hebrews in chapter 12 makes three let us statements. 
Once again, looking at the example who've gone before us in Hebrews chapter 11, he says, Let us, much like them, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles us. When we look at their example, we learn from them and we throw off the stuff that keeps us from being what God would have us to be. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles us. Number two, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It's real easy to quit. It's real easy to get discouraged. It's real easy to throw the towel in and walk away. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then the author of Hebrews says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And I want to spend some time here tonight. If Adamsville Baptist Church or Ada First Baptist Church or any Bible-believing, Christ-honoring church is going to influence people for Christ, we must be focused. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. Have you ever lost focus? Have you ever taken your eye off of anything? I have. I was uh, in Bryson City and every summer we knew the people who owned or ran the um, Christian camp. Outside our backyard there was a Christian camp. They had a swimming pool and... Every summer on Sunday afternoon, there was no one at the camp, and the kids we knew would let us come. Uh, Their parents ran the camp. They had two kids our age. They would let us come, and we would go swim every Sunday afternoon. And every Sunday afternoon, I was out there perfecting my jumping on the diving board. So I'd run out to the end of the diving board, and I I, I would do this. And jump real high three or four or five times then jump into the water. And it was good. It was always me, my older brother, my younger brother, and my two friends. Well, one summer day on a Sunday afternoon, we cruised over there. And there they were. But guess what? They had two girls with them. I was like, yeah. Well, I used to wear glasses. And some of you may have heard this story. When you take your glasses off, if you squint real hard, you can see you're still kind of good. So, I wanted to get the attention of these girls. I didn't know if they are pretty or not. I just know they were girls. And as, as I told you yesterday, the greatest uh, attributes I had were uh, my glasses and my kneecaps. But without my glasses, my greatest attributes were my ears and my kneecaps. Well, I, I couldn't tell if they were looking at me or not, so I thought I'm going, to, I'm going to impress them with my skills on the diving board. There I go. I'm on the diving board, and I don't know if they're watching me or not, but I take off. Boing, I jump once, I jump twice, and I got to thinking. I wonder if they're looking at me. So I squinted my eyes to see if they were looking at me. And I took my eyes off the diving board. I came down off the diving board. It slung me out to the left. I cracked my head on the side of the pool. And they had to drag me out of the water. 
My head was bleeding. I had to go to the emergency room. They stitched me up. And here's what I know for sure. Those two girls probably get together around Christmas time and, and, and laugh about that dorky kid with the kneecaps and big ears and wonder if he lived. What happens when you lose focus? A lot of things and none of them good. It's not good to lose focus. Hebrews chapter 12 says, hey, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, the Old Testament saints, they had fixed their eyes on the soon coming promise of the Messiah. They were trusting God that the Messiah was coming. They had their eyes fixed on that and they lived their lives by faith. The author of Hebrews is saying, let us fix our eyes. The word translated fix comes from the Greek word which carries with it the idea to concentrate the gaze upon, to focus, to look intently. So the author of Hebrews is literally saying to us, let us concentrate our gaze on Jesus. Let's look intently at the example of Jesus. Let's look and see him. But what does focus really look like in our life? What does focus really look like? Has anyone ever heard of a guy by the name of Cliff Young? Anybody ever heard the name Cliff Young? You'll probably appreciate this story. In 1983, Australia hosted its ultra marathon. Now, an ultra marathon is a 573.7 mile foot race. This foot race is from Sydney, Australia to Melbourne. This is a race that takes days to run and professionals from all over the entire world come to participate in this ultra marathon. Shortly before the race began, a 61-year-old farmer named Cliff Young, wearing overalls and goulashes over his boots, walked up to the registration table and requested a number to enter the race. The people at the registration table thought he was joking. They thought that someone was setting them up, so they laughed at the old farmer and asked, What are you doing here? Cliff Young said, you know, don't laugh. I'm here to, to run the race. Reluctantly, they gave him a number and pinned it on his old overalls. Cliff Young walked over to the start of the race. All the other professional runners who were decked out in all their running gear looked at him like he was crazy. The crowd was laughing. They laughed even more when the gun went off and, and the race began. Because all those professional runners had sculpted bodies and beautiful strides, but not the old farmer. He didn't even run like a runner. The old farmer ran with an awkward, goofy-looking shuffle all through the crowd. People were laughing and mocking, and finally someone called out, Hey, get that old fool off the track. Five days, and this is a true story, five days, 14 hours and four minutes later at 1.25 in the morning, the old farmer, Cliff Young, shuffled across the finish line of the 573.7 mile ultramarathon. Not only had he finished the race, he had won the race. And not only had he won the race, 
He didn't win it by a matter of minutes or even an hour or two. The second place runner was nine hours and 56 minutes behind him. Cliff Young had set a brand new world record for the ultra marathon. The press mobbed him wondering what kind of special running shoes he must have had. And they rummaged through his backpack wondering what he had survived on and found out he had lived primarily on pumpkin seeds and water. And they discovered the secret to his success. Cliff Young had shuffled his way to victory without ever sleeping. The other runners would run for 18 hours straight and then stop and sleep for three or four hours. Cliff Young, the old farmer, he endured running five days, 14 hours and four minutes at the age of 61. That's what it looks like to have focus. That means to put your eye on the prize and you're not going to stop until the race is over. That's what focus looks like. I've got to ask myself... Do I, as a follower of Christ, have that kind of focus? Is my eye on the prize? Is our eye on the prize? And church, I want to ask you, are your eyes collectively as a church on the prize? If we're going to influence this town If we're going to influence Wayne County, Eastern North Carolina, or this state, if I'm going to influence my family and friends, if you're going to influence your family and friends with the good news, we must be focused. We can't go through the motions. Philanthropist William Shedd made this statement years ago. A ship in a harbor is safe. But that's not what ships are made for. Sometimes, and and church, if we're going to do revival, let's just go ahead and shuck the corn and let's do some revival, okay? Revival's not for lost people. Revival is for people who claim to know Christ and maybe they need a spark. Maybe the Holy Spirit needs to come and unsettle us and unseat us and do something. But I'm afraid too many churches, much like this or much like mine or much like any other church, we'd rather be satisfied paying the bills and keeping the same old, same old while our community is dying and possibly going to hell. But we're satisfied as long as the bills are paid and no one's upset. I'm getting honest here. That's how it is. And I have to ask myself, Am I comfortable? Am I settled in? Am I really focused? Churches that honor Christ are not established and built to be status quo and and serve themselves. Churches are established and built to honor God by influencing people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and making disciples. I've got to ask myself, and I want every one of you to ask yourself, who am I right now with my life influencing? Who am I right now influencing with the express intent of leading or sharing the good news about Jesus? That's not my gift, preacher. It's a command. It's not a gift. 
Jesus said, go and make disciples. Churches like this. Let's forget about the other churches. Let's talk about Adamsville. If Adamsville is the only church in the world, what is Adamsville going to do to reach our world for Christ? We've got to start by fixing our gaze and putting our gaze intently on Jesus. And what would he have us do? It's so easy to go through the motions. Believe you me, I know. It's easy for our church in Oklahoma to go through the motions. It's easy for me, their pastor, to go through the motions. It's easy for the ministry team that I work with for us to go through the motions. God hasn't called us to go through the motions. He's called us to be about the business, not to lose focus. The purpose of any Bible-believing, Christ-honoring church is to share the gospel and develop fully devoted followers of Christ. That's why we exist. Can I say that again? Every church, every Bible-believing, Christ-honoring church, in my estimation, ought to have the same purpose statement or something like this. We exist. We exist. To share the good news of Jesus and to develop, to be growing, fully devoted followers of Christ. When we... Does anyone disagree with that? And you can if you want to. And we'll have a lively debate. We'll just stop revival for a minute and have lively debate. Is there any other reason this church should be here? There's not. That's it. We're to share the good news. And to influence people so that they in turn will live the life. And be fully devoted followers of Christ. That is why we exist. But it's so easy to lose focus. I'm reminded, and and most people aren't aware of this. What is the first thing Jesus told his disciples after the resurrection? The very first thing Jesus tells his disciples after the resurrection is the Great Commission. He gathers them together and he talks to them and he says, guys, let me tell you something. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, therefore go. That's the very first thing he tells the disciples after he gathers them after the resurrection. Now, what is the very last thing he tells his disciples before he ascends back to heaven? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So if that's the first thing he tells them after the resurrection and the last thing he tells them before he ascends back to the right hand of God, what should we be doing? We ought to be focused on the fact it's my responsibility to share and it's my responsibility to make devoted followers of Christ. I ought to be teaching people how to live. We must not take our eyes off the prize. If Adamsville Baptist Church is going to be a church committed to sharing the gospel and making disciples, we must be disciples. So for the next few minutes, I'm going to hurriedly go through this, but hopefully we're going to get it. 
Disciples that make disciples, number one, by fixing our eyes on Jesus, we know a couple of things. Disciples that make disciples must have a burden for lost people. When I fix my eyes on Jesus, I learn some things. Jesus had a burden for lost people. Now, let's just go ahead and talk about that. I think sometimes we throw words out that we use them so much that they lose their intended meaning. What is a lost person? A lost person... I wish I had time just to break some of this down. We've got a... You can't be here all night. But a lost person is a person that doesn't have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if that person dies without faith in Christ, that person will spend eternity in the regions of the damned. Jesus describes, and He talks about hell way more than He talks about heaven. So I have to think about having a burden because Jesus had a burden. Now, how do I know Jesus had a burden? Well, several times he mentions it, but no more clearer than in Matthew chapter 9, 35 and following. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask. The Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus saw people that didn't have a relationship with God, and he was burdened. He was burdened. Fifty-three years ago, the founding members of Adamsville Baptist Church had a heart for Christ and a burden for lost people. And they established this church to make a difference in this town and in this county and in this state. And this church is so unique because people go out of this church and literally people are all over the world sharing the gospel from this place right here. I believe Adamsville Baptist Church is one of the most unique churches in America, if not the world, because we're sending people out from here everywhere. This church, if we're going to make a difference, must be focused and we must never, ever lose that. Jesus had a burden. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus and we want to be like Jesus, I've got to ask myself. And church, let's just be serious and let's be honest. Let's ask ourselves, do I really have a burden for those people that I know? Do I ever pray for people that I know that don't know Jesus Do I ever share with people that I know who don't know Jesus? Do I ever live with the express intent of living in such a way that people see Jesus in me so that the people I know might come to faith in Jesus Christ? I try to remember this. God hasn't called me to win the world. He's called me to win my world. How do you eat the elephant? One bite at a time. I don't know who come up with that because we don't even eat elephant. But it makes sense to me. God hasn't called me to win the world. He's called me to win my world. And if I win my world, and you win win people in your world, we'll win the world. Do I have a burden for lost people? We really need to ask ourselves that. I see people here in the crowd that several years ago I had the privilege to share the gospel with. 
Those I see you back there. There's several others here. Jimmy and Leslie, I see you back there. I'll never forget going to your house. Is that on the way to Grantham out there? Out in the middle of nowhere. Like never found the place. Having a burden for lost people. Jesus had a burden. He never lost his focus there. Today, we must continue to have a heart for Christ and a burden for people who don't know Christ. Some researchers are saying we live in a so what culture. If you want these stats, I'll be more than happy to give them to you. Just so you know, I'm not just making this stuff up. A December, a December 2011 article in USA Today analyzed the surge in a group of Americans called the spiritually apathetic. The spiritually apathetic are unique because they are not atheists. An atheist is a person that does not recognize the existence of a supreme being. Okay, The spiritually apathetic, they are not atheists. Instead, according to this article in the USA Today, they simply shrug off God. They shrug off religion, they shrug off heaven, or the ever-trendy search for meaning and or purpose. Their attitude could be summed up by this phrase, so what? So what? The article pointed to the following statistics from recent surveys. 44% of responders told a Baylor University study that they spend no time, no time seeking eternal wisdom, and 19% said it's useless to search for meaning. 46% of respondents told Lifeway Research that they never, ever wonder if they will go to heaven. 46%. Wow. 28% told Lifeway that it's not a major priority in my life to find deeper purpose. 18% denied that God had a purpose or plan for everyone. One professor of religion concluded... The real dirty secret of religiosity in America is that there are so many people for whom spiritual interest, thinking about ultimate questions, is minimal. We're living in a culture where people are saying, so what? And you know why more people are saying, so what, and they don't care? They're not surrounded by people who do. They're not surrounded by people who do. The other night, flag football has ended, and we are at a sports bar. One of the players on the team, the parents owned a sports bar, they invited the team out there, and and we went. So Angela and I are sitting there, and a doctor, Samira Charbonneau, comes and sits down, and her husband's not there, but... Angela and I literally, by our influence, are trying to lead these people to faith in Christ, okay? So we're sitting there, and I don't even think I told Angela this. We're sitting there, and we're, our food arrives, and this enters my mind. I wonder what she'll think if I bless my food in front of her. The thought crossed my mind. But then I thought, I don't give a rip. I'm going to bless my food, and if she's mine, well, that's her bad, not mine. But here's what crossed my mind. What if I don't bless my food? And she says, well, he must not think much about his walk. 
Maybe she wouldn't have thought that. But I stopped and I blessed the food. And I hope that we're being an influence on them. And it's my prayer that at some point they'll come to faith in Christ. He's funny. He knows I'm a preacher and he won't come to church. But he listens to us every Sunday. And he will tell me what I've been preaching on that Sunday or the, fall or the previous Sunday. But almost every time he sees me, he tries to disturb me by saying a cuss word or two. And he always asks if I want a beer. He's wanting to know if I'm going to turn my back on him. I'm not going to cuss like him, and I'm not going to drink a beer like him, but I am going to walk faithfully and humbly before God, and I'm hoping one day the Spirit of God's going to touch him, and he's going to ask me about my relationship with Christ. Now I ask you, do you have a burden for lost people where you are intently trying to influence people that you know with the good news about Jesus? I'm going to say this and we're going to move on. And I want, this is a Miyagi time here. Look, I, I believe if we're not intentionally trying to witness and tell people about Jesus, we're wrong. It's a sin before God and we need to be about his business. Jesus commanded us to go. He didn't tell us to talk about it. He commanded us to go. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. We must not lose focus. If we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, we must have a burden for lost people. I've spent more time than I need to, and, and I may just continue this tomorrow night. I don't want us to keep us here all night, but I want you to hear this. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to share this story. We're going to be done tonight. But what does not having a burden for lost people really look like? What does not having a burden for lost people really look like? Has anyone ever heard of the guy by the name of Charlie Peace? I didn't suspect you would, but Charlie Peace lived in the late 1870s. Well, he died in the late 1870s. He was, at the time... London's most hated and well-known criminal. Charlie Peace was a convicted burglar, convicted murderer. Charlie was a hardened criminal and had absolutely no respect for life or the law. His now-made famous quote was this, Lion-hearted I've lived, and when my time comes to die, lion-hearted I will die. January of 1879, Charlie was sentenced to death for his crimes. On the morning of February 25th, 1879, Charlie Peace, at the age of 47, ate his final breakfast meal. It was custom. He could order whatever he wanted for breakfast, and they would feed it to him. He ordered his breakfast meal. After the meal, he was met by the prison chaplain. He was met by the prison chaplain, and they began the death walk in the bitter cold, to the gallows where Charlie Peace would be hung. Leonard Ravenhill in his book, Why Revival Terries, recounts the last moment of Charlie Peace's life. These are the last few moments he's going to be living and breathing. He's on the way to the gallows and Charlie Peace will be hung. 
On the death walk, before him went the prison chaplain. Routinely and sleepily reading some Bible verses. The criminal, Charlie Peace, touched the preacher and asked, Sir, what are you reading? The prison chaplain said, Well, sir, I'm reading from the consolations of religion. Charlie Peace was shocked at the way the preacher professionally read about hell. Could a man be so unmoved under the very shadow of the scaffold as to lead a fellow human there and yet, dry-eyed, read of a pit that has no bottom into which this fellow must fall? Could this preacher believe the words that there is an eternal fire that never consumes its victims and yet slide over the phrase without even a tremor? Is a man human at all who can say with no tears, you will eternally be dying and yet never know the relief that death brings? When the chaplain finished reading from Consolations of Religion, Charlie Peace said to the chaplain, and I quote, Sir, I do not share your faith. But if I believe what you say you believe, then although England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would crawl the length and breadth of it on hand and knee and think the pain worthwhile just to save a single soul from this eternal hell of which you speak. A few moments later, took a few steps up to the gallows, they placed a covering over his head. He was hung and he died. And the prison chaplain could have cared less. I ask you, and I have to ask myself, do I even Does Adamsville Baptist Church care? Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's the pastor's job and the staff. That's that's their job. No, 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 no. That's our job. That's why this church was brought into existence. Somebody said, we've got to have a church that's going to be a light in this place to share the good news so that people don't go to that awful place. Some of you are probably thinking, well, preacher, we didn't ask you to come do this. Well, I know you didn't ask me to come do this, but God did. I believe that. The question is, what do we have our eyes fixed on? Don't fix your eyes on the budget. Don't fix your eyes on things that, that matter but don't matter. Fix your eyes on those things that Jesus fixed his eyes on. And by the way, let's just, while we're going there, don't fix your eyes on what people wear. Don't fix your eyes on what they don't wear. Don't fix your eyes on their hair. Don't fix your eyes on their tattoos. Don't fix your eyes on their earrings. And you know, they wear these hoops these days. Hey, people that wear hoops in their ears, they need Jesus too. Hello? Hello? 
But we want, the, we want the right type of people in our church. Well, you know what the right type of people are? People who don't know Jesus. That's the right type of people we need. They're out there. Sad to say, we had a lady. Family. Leave our church. The hardest thing we have to deal with at our church is being a First Baptist church. I hate that. That's disgusting. That disgusts me. Because I, I, I'm a not a First Baptist kind of guy. I'm a dude from the mountains. be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a pile of dirt that Jesus redeemed a long time ago. I'm just not that way. But a family started coming. We do small groups on Sunday nights. By the way, we're kind of thinking outside, not the box. We're just thinking outside like people who don't know Jesus might like to think. And, and on Sunday nights, we're doing things a little different. So we do small groups, and that's where some believers get together in our homes, and we invite unbelievers to our house, okay? So this family starts coming to one of our small groups, and they start coming to church, and they've not accepted Christ yet. But this lady and her husband and their kids are coming to our church. And I got to noticing that they weren't there for two or three weeks. And I, and I asked the small group leader, hey, what happened? Here's what happened. We're having handshake time at the welcome time. And one of our unfit for the kingdom persons who say they know Christ went over there and said, hey, it's not fitting that you wear blue jeans on Sunday morning. For the love of God. To be honest with you, I don't care if you wear your bathing suit if you don't know Jesus. Come! Hear the word! And when people accept the word, God will change them. But they're not coming back. Because some narrow-minded, thick-headed legalist didn't want somebody wearing blue jeans in our church what they forgot is we're in the middle of cowboy country and that's what people do they wear blue jeans and cowboy boots and belts with buckles that look like you could put salad in them we get so stuck in a dead religion that the things of righteousness no longer matter. I want to ask you. If you know Jesus. Are you influencing others. For Jesus. That's it. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your father. Which is in heaven. Now, God's not called us to go knock somebody in the face, say, do you know Jesus? He's just simply asked us to go next to someone, live with them, not live with them, but you know what I mean. Let your light shine. And by the way, I never tell anyone that I'm a believer and I never tell anyone that I'm a pastor. They don't you do that. If they ask me, I tell them, but you know what? I try to live my life so that when someone asks me, what do you do for a living? Uh, well, I, I pastor at, at First Baptist Church in Ada. <gasps> you do? That's on the golf course. It's funny. I hear so much language until they realize I'm the preacher. That's funny. Thing is, I don't want them to know. I want them to see there's that guy's different. And you know why he's different? 
Jesus makes a difference. Church, I want to ask you, are your eyes fixed on Jesus? Everyone is standing, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Tonight, the author of Hebrews makes three let us statements and we've been looking at the third one. Let us fix our eyes, let us set our gaze upon, let us look intently. Tomorrow we're going to see some more about this. But if we're going to to look at Jesus and focus on Jesus and follow Jesus, we must keep our eye on Jesus. And if we're going to, to do what Jesus did, He shared the good news and He made disciples. If we're going to follow Jesus, we must have a burden. We must share and we must go and make disciples tonight. The invitation is is clear. There's some here today, right now, if life is over, you don't know, or maybe you do know where you'll spend eternity. Tonight, I'm going to ask, if you're here tonight, and you've never confessed your sin, you've never committed your heart and life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you tonight to come come down and see Pastor Todd. And if he's busy, you come and see me. But I want to... I want to give you the opportunity to come and and we'll talk about how you can know that you have a right relationship with God. Because if we don't have a right relationship with God and our body dies, we will go and spend eternity where we've prepared to go and spend eternity. If you don't know Christ, come and talk to one of us. We'd love to share with you how you can know. Secondly, there are people here today. Maybe you've known Christ for a long time, but the Spirit of God has spoken to you. And right now, you're not living with intent. Right now, you're not living to to tell someone about Jesus or to make a a fully devoted follower of Christ. And maybe the Spirit of God is is convicting you. And I'm talking to people that say you know Christ. I'm talking to Sunday school teachers. I'm talking to deacons. I'm talking to people who work on committees. Every person here, if you're not committed to sharing the good news about Jesus, I'm going to ask you to come. First of all, ask God to forgive you and ask God to to give you the strength to make that commitment. Right now, I'm going to do that. I want to ask God to let me refocus on who I need to be and what I need to say and what I need to do so that my life will be fully devoted to sharing the good news. Others of you may need to come for any other reason. But if God has spoken, I think we need to do business with God tonight. Lord, thank you for the privilege to pray, for the privilege to look at your word. God, give us a burden. Help us to, with intent, speak to, share with, and develop people who have a greater walk with you. Bless during this time of response and invitation. May your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. If God has spoken, please come.